narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. kind of nonsensical that we're going to put Vladimir Putin on the world stage yeah. in the summit where, you know, two weeks after he's had another hack last night, this new announcement of yet another hack into a uh, federal system after the previous hack, which is just like, what, a month ago, less than a month ago. And then Solar Winds was just six months ago. You know, they're continuously hacking our systems. They're, they've got us to some extent controlled by, the, by those hacks. We're not quite sure how deep they go. And then the pushing of international norms that Putin keeps doing, the yeah. remarkable and insane a mid-air hijacking of a passenger plane to arrest somebody, to kidnap somebody, in, who they consider a dissident, but most of the world would consider a journalist, a, a journalist. year old to be a pulled journalist. off a plane with a fighter jet. It's, this is them testing our, our willingness to go with them. So we can't accept this, these kind of constant tests of international norms because we, it's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. Now they'll start to, uh, where else were they going to pull down planes from whenever they decide they want to capture somebody or arrest somebody? Does it matter if it's over Belarus or can it be just anywhere? And think about being in, in a passenger plane and a fighter jet flying up and forcing you down. First, just how terrifying that is. But then for this guy who knows he's going to almost, almost certainly to his death, certainly to many years imprisonment and definitely into torture. And he's powerless in this situation. And this is not someone who's actually living in the territory. And this is how expansive and easy and free Putin feels right now. Because I don't think it's um, Lukashenko at all. I think it's at the end of the day, this comes down to Putin. And he just feels so free. And now we're going to go and reward him with a meeting on the world stage with Biden. I mean, maybe I'm misunderstanding the, you know, how much they have on us right now and how important it is for us to go and talk to them. But it's it maybe for sure Biden has this. He has a good sense of what's necessary and possible right now. But I just, I don't see why we're appeasing him to this extent on the world stage. And after these events in the last couple of weeks, it's okay to say, hey, we're not going to meet with you. We're going to put it off for, until you've sorted out some of the issues that we're concerned about. It's, the whole thing is nuts. And we talked about this last week with the appeasement. Appeasement doesn't work. Any cursory knowledge of 20th century history shows this. They appeased Hitler, conquered and kept going. They did not appease Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein stopped. There you have it. It's that. It's really when you're dealing with homicidal madmen with megalomaniacal tendencies. That's the fucking deal. So Russia right now, the Russian Federation is has been knocked back, and they want their empire back. The Soviet Union was an empire, an old school continuous territory empire, not like the British Empire where they had like colonies all over but one where as in the days of old the conquering army came invaded the next door neighbor and took over and that's what they did to latvia and lithuania and estonia and belarus and georgia and azerbaijan and armenia and all the stands over there kazakh kyrgyz uzbek tajik right those are all countries that deserve to exist that were part of under the yoke of this horrible soviet empire and this madman, Joseph Stalin, who killed more people ultimately than Hitler did, who was a crazy lunatic, horrible person. That's Putin's model. Like, he likes Stalin. He's resurrecting this idea of that. It, the Russians are very, they're, they don't fuck around. They let you know what they're doing. This isn't rocket science here. 
And we you know, know we can't trust them. Anyone who's tried to, they've, they've, every oh. administration has tried to reset with, yeah. uh, with the Russians. It's never worked. Claude, I'm going to get your thoughts I... on that in a second. I've got to take a commercial break. Oh, and then yeah. After this, we'll be back uh, with more interesting conversation. Also, that Bob Levinson clip that LBS found for us, which is relevant to today's conversation. We'll be right back. Now that summer is almost here and COVID is almost gone, this may be a good time to get some things off your to-do list, like maybe getting life insurance. You know, my mom is really good with finances and she's always telling me what about life insurance it's so important and i can tell you that policy genius is a great place to get life insurance because you can compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place why compare you can save as much as 50 percent or more of life insurance by comparing those quotes and you could save 1300 dollars or more per year on life insurance by using policy genius to compare those policies for you the licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. This is how it works. Getting started is really easy. First, you head to policygenius.com, and in minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and scheduling for you. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies, and that means you don't have to worry about your privacy and they don't add extra fees. Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. And we're back. Let's talk to Claude about what he thinks about Russia and the summit. What do you think? Should Joe be going there? And should we be having this dialogue with Russia in the way that uh, they're planning to at the moment? I, I think it's one thing to have a dialogue and whether this particular meeting with Putin should happen or not. But I think we should recognize the enemy that we have. And you, in some cases, may want to communicate with your enemy, but we have to recognize what Russia is under Vladimir Putin, what they're about. They had a great impact on the 2016 presidential uh, election. They helped determine the uh, winner. They're fully capable of continuing. It's not like they've stopped. You know, it's not like Russia like interfered with our elections one time and they went away, and they're being held at bay. They're gonna they're gonna keep coming after us. They came after the the oil distribution, the gas distribution a couple of weeks ago. They they're coming after different parts of the infrastructure. We have to recognize Vladimir Putin as the enemy that he is. We have to go put the full arsenal of democracy. We have to go full Cold War on Russia. We have to contain them. We have to support his enemies. We have to support dissidents. We have to do a thousand different creative things. Uh, we have to freeze his financial assets. We have to freeze the assets of anybody who ever met Vladimir Putin. We have to uh, shut down the swift banking to make the oligarchs pay. We're having a major thunderstorm here as well. I don't know, if oh, effect, but it's like, how nice. It's like huge. It's okay. Uh, we can still hear. We can still see and hear uh, you. So it's, but, you're, you're still there. Yeah, I don't think that Vladimir Putin is sitting around scheming about how to get the stand grouping with, with Russia. I, I think it's more about the that 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 they steal in resources from the people of Russia, and it's yes. about the power and it's about yeah. the, about the money. And I think we need to go after the power. We have to go after the money. I don't think we've done nearly enough about going after his money, no. his sources of income. I That's think we right. Make, I, I think 
we need to make life a living hell for anybody who would do business with Vladimir Putin. That's right. I think it's that's right. Really important. So this is my little game. We'll play this game with our audience now and with all of us. So here's my game. Okay. In terms of understanding Vladimir Putin and the underworld uh, behind him, and that is still connected in all those in what the Soviet Empire was. So here's the choice. Right hand, Vladimir Putin gets the Soviet Empire back and maybe even more, but he has to live and can only have a state salary of a state official. Yeah, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. That's it. That's all he gets. No, he, but he gets the whole empire. Or he gets something about the size of Rhode Island and he gets all the money <laughs> that would, that, that is getting blocked by sanctions or any kind of roadblocks that we put in the way from having these states having their own say and they not having to pay a tribute to him as a mob boss. Which one do you think he chooses? Uh, you think he second. wants a Soviet? Definitely, you think he's that big just, of a checkist? No, you, he wants the money. You think he, he wants, wants the money? money. He wants there the money. you go. But he likes the so power. So that's a mobster. That's yeah. a, but that's still a lot of power. Yeah. That's a mobster. Not a not a checkist. Right. There's a difference. And so if we treat him and approach him as the mobster that he is, as a mobster that he is, there's a very different path of making things difficult, uncomfortable for this man, and stripping him of his power. If we continue to treat him as if he's some genius KGB agent that just wants to restore the Soviet empire and blah, 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 then it's in nation state issues. There's all kinds of, that becomes a more complex problem to try to cor you know, corner this guy off and stop him. Um, it's not so just I him think though, it is an entire system. That it's a system, that is but that him. system relies on the money. Hmm. Claude is exactly right. You have to just take it. I don't even yeah. think it's sanctions. I think just, we know where their offshores are. Just fucking take the offshores. Take it. I love well, the expression. Run the infrastructure with war. that. Yeah. yeah. No, it's absolutely, you're absolutely, both absolutely. We have not turned the yeah. tables yet. We're still busy being victims and we've yeah. got to turn this around. We've got to go take the, the battle to them. And there's so many easy things to pick on. You look at this arrest of this uh, Belarusian uh, journalist. I mean, it's so easy to, to gather global support around this thing. We need to unleash an arsenal of democracy on their asses. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. I love that whole full inside, Cold War idea. Inside Russia. I like that. Yeah. Inside Russia, yeah. inside Belarus. We need to tap into the sentiment that the Russian people inherently do have. I've met Russian people and stuff, and they're not, they don't like this guy. They don't want to live under his yoke. LB just piggybacking on something you said about his K supposed KGB super spy acumen. I was talking with, with my friend Moscow Never Sleeps, who is a prevail occasional oh, yeah. this week. Um, yeah. Because I wrote about Igor Sechin this week on Tuesday. So That was good, by the okay. way, Greg. I liked that. Thank you. When Putin was posted by the KGB, they sent him to Dresden, which is mm -hmm. like weak sauce, lame ass. Igor Sechin got sent to Africa where the action was. That guy was doing stuff. Putin is, is a functionary. He's not like a... Yuri Shivitz got like New York. I mean, you want New York. You want London. <laughs> you want yeah. nice places. Dresden. Was Dresden really like that bad? Normal. I thought it was a, they, they hired all their Eastern German uh, spies there. 
I hear, I, I don't know, somewhere along the line, I thought he might have been involved in the recruitment of this East I German spy. I don't think it was not important what he was doing, but it wasn't like this big creative mastermind yeah. thing. Yeah. He no, was sitting behind that. a desk doing his... And, yeah, the, it's important to take the money. And going to what Claude was saying, the arsenal of democracy, we have the cyber shit, too. We invented the fucking internet. We're letting these guys uh -huh. hack us? Fuck them. We have to have some better capability here. I would like to think we, we can go in and we also in, we also invented the international banking system. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah, they've got fucking Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. There it is. There yeah. it is. That yeah, simple. Yet we're not doing any of that. We're not doing any of that yet. We'll see what happens. Then. Yeah. That your old boss, Bill Clinton, would have said, this is a triangulation issue. You've got the Republican Party as a challenge. You've got Russia as a challenge. Can you triangulate those two and come up with a, a policy that takes, that takes care of both of them? Same one, really, maybe, just going on to the banking system. I, I think the banking system is key. I'm not sure what Bill would say about it. Tell me about your time with Bill Clinton. I'm curious about people don't necessarily know much about your history there, but I, I was, I got lucky and well, it's a long story. I was supposed to go to work in 1992 for Senator Tom Harkin. In fact, I had a, I had an interview set up with Senator Tom Harkin at San Francisco international airport. And he dropped out of the race the day that I was supposed to interview with him. And Bill Clinton was coming the next day and his crew. And I ended up helping to run California in 92 for Bill Clinton. My point in that not well-told story was that if Tom Harkin had stayed in the race, I would have ended up working for him. And I never would have <laughs> ended up as a lowly White House staffer under Bill Clinton. That's it. Politics can be good. Uh, work yeah, so I spent a few years working uh, in the White House as a back in the mid-90s as a lowly White House staffer. And then I... Uh, Worked another year in the 96 campaign, and then I, I kind of got out for a while, for a long while. I was a donor. I did some fundraising, but I, I was largely out. The world has uh, changed so much so, uh, since, since the, you know, Bill Clinton was there. It's yeah, been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time. I was 29 when I got to the White House. Wow. Could any of us have foreseen yeah. this? Could any of us have foreseen this when you're, you know, your 29-year-old self? Could you, there was never a moment in your, in your brain probably then that we would be at this point in our history fighting this huge onslaught from the Russians. It seems impossible to me. I'd worked in the, as a teenager, I'd worked in the Carter-Mondale campaign. I, I had worked, I'd worked against Republicans a lot, and I always opposed them, but I never hated them, and it never occurred to me that they would actually betray the country. Mm -hmm. And that just has, has taken me, you know, a long time to accept that, you know, we have a Republican Party today that they're not just our opponents, but they are actually out to destroy our democracy. Mm -hmm. They actually would prefer that. They want to yeah. live, they want to live in a state where minorities don't really matter. And, yeah. You know, well, they don't have to solve problems. Yeah, when you're in an authoritarian state, it's all transactional favors and, and, and your proximity to the ultimate power. So you don't have to think about the people and you don't have to solve problems for the people. That's hard work. It's difficult. I, and so I, I, I don't think a lot of them would really like living in an authoritarian state if they actually got to that point, if we actually got. To I that don't point. think so either. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think. A lot I think of that them. they think though that they would be, have the favor. Like they, they, there's something on the other side of this eye of the needle that they're willing to go through, where there's a belief that there's a goodie there, right? That there's something that's worth it. I think it's. I think it's beyond just okay. We're owned and compromised, and we have to do this. There is some reward. They do believe they're believe. fighting a. They're fighting the liberals. They do believe this globalization thing is a, uh, no, I don't, is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't they, think, I think that? that's a but? I think that's I, a bunch of horseshit. I don't think half of those people believe it. Some of them really wacko whack jobs do, but the majority of Republicans, I don't think they believe that. They don't believe that. They that this isn't. It's so far afield now. It's so. It, this isn't. The 1970s and 80s and 60s, where you but have they feel the, completely detached from power. The anti-communism. Like, I think I believe. What do you mean detached? Detached from, from power. power. They don't feel like they that the the system works for them anymore. They feel they like with the vote where the people are, they never yeah. went to ideas. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to give a little historical thing here. So I'll mm-hmm. give this. I was just writing this the other day. So one of the one of the characters uh, from our history, from our shared history, that is in the story that I'm writing now, the series that I'm writing now, is a woman named Eunice Carter, okay? And Eunice was, she was a Republican. She was an African-American woman out of Harlem, out of New York, and was the daughter of activists, a very famous activist, actually, and had money. It was very much upper middle class and education. She was a lawyer, quite brilliant woman, and she ran as a Republican against the corrupt Democrats of Tammany Hall, because Tammany Hall was just a mob-owned totally corrupt thing and she didn't win but it's just it's astounding to me as i'm writing and she she did something extraordinary i'm not going to spoil it she did you can look her up she did something so freaking extraordinary it just was lasted in the history books for much longer than it did and and people did know her name at the time and then pearl harbor happened you know, and the whole world changed but her eunice really embraced republicanism and she really lived it and here you have this incredible example, historically, of, of an African-American woman, brilliant, right, leader in your own party. And Republicans of today could not figure out how to turn to their own history and pull up those examples of the kinds of policies and the kinds of even activism that would work to help bring their tent, bring more into their tent. They, they couldn't do that. They did their stupid autopsy, right, with the Obama era. And I don't know if this was in the autopsy, but they it couldn't figure out that they actually used to be the big corruption fighters in the most corrupt cities in our nation. And one, one on that. And so here's, a, it's like, what are you doing? Why have they not turned to their own goddamn history? Excuse my French, but why not do that? So they know that they're losing. They know that they've lost this obsession with the browning of America that they have had and that they keep putting it. You have the Rush Limbaugh's and the Alex Jones and all of these firebrand propagandists that just took a hold of the party and the Laura Ingrams, all these white supremacists. And the officials themselves, they were so freaked out about their voters and about that audience, right, for that far, that extremism, that they literally could not even pull people out of their own past, leaders from their own past, and provide that as an example and move the party forward in a way that would have actually had it grow and embrace and strengthen it. So I don't know, are they dumb? 
are they just white supremacists? Are they just craven? Are they criminals? Are they owned? I think at this point, it doesn't matter. They're anti-democratic. That's what they are. They're anti-democracy. And that's what the, they're an insurrectionist party now. They've turned their back on everything and they've gone over the cliff. And they think there's something there waiting for them. And it's going to have to be our job, unless we want to lose our democracy, to stand up and say, no, there's nothing there waiting for you. <laughs> you're headed for hell in a kerosene suit. And that's where you're maybe, going. Maybe they really realized that they had lost the demographic war. And the only way they could win is by being autocrats. Yep. I think that seems like it. Seems like it. Yeah, you know, they could have. There were other ways to win, I mean, I mean, is what I'm bringing up. They they could have chosen right, other paths right, to right. win. It would have been longer. It would have been more difficult, but it would have worked. I do believe that. But that's not what that that wasn't the immediate was hey, just to go full bore. LB, not not to push back here. Donald Trump made a really concerted effort to woo black voters, and he actually <laughs> he had a couple of guys with T-shirts that said "Blacks for Trump," uh, and he said an incredible pitch: "Hey, vote for me. What have you got to lose?" I don't understand yeah. how you can. This is where I pull the sweet grandma from New York in and said, you let her let everybody hear what she has to say about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, no, yeah, it, it's very it's it, I think we are in those stages of grief. It, it, we're to the wow. This is just really sad. And it's time to actually fight the thing. Talking about the triangulation and the, the, the scenario that I'm worried about, I think, would be this is what they should do if they were smart, which I'm not sure that they are smart and autocrats, because right now yeah. they're so tightly aligned. They're so closely aligned with Trump that everybody's still up in arms and hair on fire about it. At least enough people are that mm -hmm. it, it seems to make some difference. They're going he, Trump is going to get indicted. I believe I, I think New York is going to indict yeah. him if they're smart. The instant that that happens. They got to cut bait with that guy and and just be like, I can't believe him. He's and do the Claude Rains and Casablanca shock thing. You, and you then know, they can continue undermining democracy you know, while we're distracted. It, you know, it, it, if they're smart, I'm not sure that's <laughs> really a brains sort of operation. There's no brain trust. That's what I'm going for. There's no brain trust. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Zeb, we can't hear you. I'm, I'm sorry about that. I've been saying so many incredibly, yeah. incredibly brilliant things. Yeah. But uh, let me uh, interrupt you guys a little bit, because let's be practical about this. We don't really have time for the grieving process you've been talking about. Mm -hmm. be, at the end of the day, we've got to get our, our boats in order here, and we've got to get ready for the next election, which is just around the corner. Everyone's going to be starting now, really, to electioneers. So, Claude, we don't often get you here. We've never had you here before. What are the things people can do, like, practically, when they, you know, they've heard us talk a lot about this, but what can they do in their districts, in their states? What can they do to get to fight? And what should they be doing right now? Now that summer is almost here and COVID is almost gone, this may be a good time to get some things off your to-do list, like maybe getting life insurance. You know, my mom is really good with finances and she's always telling me, 
What about life insurance? It's so important. And I can tell you that Policy Genius is a great place to get life insurance because you can compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why compare? Well, you can save as much as 50% or more of life insurance by comparing those quotes. And you could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare those policies for you. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. This is how it works. Getting started is really easy. First, you head to policygenius.com, and in minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and scheduling for you. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies, and that means you don't have to worry about your privacy, and they don't add extra fees. Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. But what can they do in their in their districts, in their in their states? What can they do to get to fight? And what should they be doing right now? Well, they should get on Twitter and send those tweets. But after you're done with your social media time, find out who is running for Congress in your district. Find out find a candidate that inspires you. And get involved. Get involved in your neighborhood. Get involved in your city, in your county, uh, in your state, in your congressional district, working for a senator or a Democratic governor or a senator or a member of Congress or a challenger. Find a campaign in this next cycle that, that inspires you and, and help them in any way you can. If we don't, if we don't keep the House, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And we're in serious danger of losing the House of Representatives. And, and the state really houses happen. are a real concern. That's where they've got all these crazy laws now that those state houses can overturn elections. We have to at least put up a good battle in those state uh, legislatures as well. So mm -hmm. down the line, yeah. it's really important that people get involved, not just for the, the people who are going to be running for Congress. They have to show up in big numbers. Got to show up. What do you want to see people doing in the next year? What are the, what's, the, what's your uh, advice to people right now that they can use? As practical, so we just everybody just has to be informed. I, I think it's too early to really do anything with the vote. I don't know anything about that, really. That's not my mm. bailiwick by any stretch of the imagination. But it it looks to me like the way the timing is going to shake out. If we can figure out how to get around these obstacles in the Senate, it's still very early. Realistically, it's not even June yet. He hasn't been president for six months yet. Once we can figure this out, and maybe this means uh, Schumer is not a war wartime consigliere, and it's <laughs> time for him to go and bring in Amy, please. She's yeah. doing the job anyway. Just give it to her because it, 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 he's not the right guy right now. He's, he's, he's not. Tom Hay he, put him on a plane and send him to Vegas because stuff's going to get go down, okay? How does that happen, um, by the way? The Let's just get practical about this. Say you wanted to uh, you know, make a move around to who, the, who leads the Senate. I, the I, house, I don't. Uh, don't. Uh, Claude, do you not, know how that happens? Happen. Well, it no. It's not going to happen. It's how not going you, to happen. It doesn't happen. Then. No. It's, it's not. It, it, yeah, theoretically, it could happen after the next election, but it's not something that's going to happen in, in the immediate future. Right. Um, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't count on it or plan for it. But I do think he can be pressured. I, I do think there's a couple of, I think he's an egomaniac, <laughs> Schumer. And so yes. I think he cares very much how he's perceived. And there's not enough of a pressure campaign coming from all of us to for him to snap out of it. We need the share slap 
gifts. Come on, guy. You're the majority leader. You don't just get to dance around because you have a plaque on your door now. You need to start being the majority leader. You've got these two rogue senators who are playing around and kvetching and loving that they're getting attention for whatever they're getting attention for. Bring those assholes in. Solidify your caucus. Get everybody on the same goddamn page. Excuse me. It seems logical to me. It seems amazing that it's not happening. We have the Senate, at least the Democrats have yeah. the Senate, and, and it's not uh, it's not yet appearing like, That's right. like they've got control. He's not, he's gotta he's gotta he's gotta step it up. Step up the game there, Doomer. But to get back to your point, Zev, I think that Biden, at least as far as domestic policy is concerned, is doing very well. Mm -hmm. And I think that the timing of this is going to help us in the midterms. I think that right now we're on the verge of opening. People are starting to not wear masks, going to the supermarket, at least in New York where I live and stuff like that. And by the time next year rolls around, people will remember this is a guy who got us out of this. They can spin it all they want, but the reality is Trump was president for that last year. Everything sucked, and then Biden was president, and now everything's great. So right. it's pretty basic. And somebody talking to a friend yesterday was saying Fox News did a poll, and 54% of the people watching Fox News have a favorable view of Biden. Well, that's pretty Fox good. News. That's pretty impressive. So, like, he's hard not to like, I think, and the stuff he's delivering on stuff that's going to impact people's lives in meaningful, easy, quantifiable ways. You get money in the bank. You get vaccines in the arm, you mm -hmm. get broadband in the crappy place where you live, and maybe you'll vote for him next time. Maybe you'll say, Wait, hey, this, I don't know. As, as fun as the racism was, maybe this is okay. I don't know if anybody here has kids, but we're going to start getting uh, checks for having had kids. Is that true? I read that and I pinched myself and I'm yeah, like, I'm no, going to believe I've that. I've gotten zero <laughs> checks. I don't know what the checks things is. The checks haven't happened for me. You know what? I mean, I I want the checks. I mean, you need you're getting the checks. I don't know. I'm I fine. Got, There's no I got, reason. I got two kids that I declare. I it was based on that, and I got like a big whack, big check, and really, I was like shocked at how big my check was, and and then just it hardly even made the news. But the the new program starts in July, and it's two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> for every kid, three hundred and fifty dollars for every kid up till twelve, and then two hundred and fifty from twelve to six. Right. So I'm getting like an extra five fifty every month. That's pretty that amazing. That's a lot of money. Set, you, know, you know, like in real money. This it's, is it's magical. It's going to make a huge difference to people's lives. Um, yes. We've got to go, but I want yeah. to just quickly show you, um, everyone your backyard, which is spectacular. And I don't think oh. you get paid for your, the deer in your backyard. Do the, does the government give you checks for the deer at all? Oh, no. The deer are a long story. But they are. Have, listen to the noise in the backyard right now. Sound, I should say. What is that? What is that we're listening to over there? Cicadas. The wow. once in 17 year invasion Billions. of cicadas. Yes, billions of years, billions of cicadas every 17 years. I remember 17 years ago, I swore to myself I would be out of the D.C. area when they returned. When they came back. And when they came back. <laughs> and here they are returning. You're still there. And you're still doing amazing work. Claude, thanks so much for joining us tonight on, on Narrative. It's been really a pleasure having you on. And everyone should go to Mad Dog com and make sure that Ted Cruz... Uh, uh, billboard happens. I'll put it up for everyone again. Here it is. Kremlin Cruise at uh, maddogpack.com. 
narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative.